Hello, welcome to Rethinking Education, the EDGE podcast. And today I am focusing on the really fascinating area of education in an island context. Now, this is something that we're very passionate about uh, at EDGE and me in particular. Uh, we've been running for, I think, three years now, um, the Island Education Network. Uh, and that brings together colleagues uh, from islands around the British Isles. Uh, so places like the Isle of Man, uh, the Channel Islands, and we've got uh, Guernsey represented today. Um, but also British overseas territories, uh, so places like the Virgin Islands uh, and the Falkland Islands. So uh, it's a chance really for us to get together once a term to share and understand the practice from those islands. Uh, and I think we are always amazed by, even though they're kind of worlds apart geographically, how similar some of the messages are uh, when we talk to, to islands. We had a great conversation last time and we had a new colleague from Montserrat uh, who introduced the education system there and everyone was like nodding away like nodding dogs being like, yeah, that's the same with me, that's the same with me. So uh, some really Really interesting lessons coming from across. Um, I've got two amazing guests with me today to help me to, to get into this area. Uh, I'm joined by Angus McLennan, who is the head teacher of the eSchool, which is based in Stornoway in the West Niles of Scotland. And I've got Louise Miselka, who is the principal of Guernsey College, uh, who I've had the great pleasure of going to visit in Guernsey uh, before COVID BC uh, came along. So I'm going to talk to Angus first. And Angus, do you want to give us a bit of a quick overview of what it's like in the West Niles for, for colleagues and who might be listening who are based on the mainland. Uh, we're two and a, hello there, good afternoon. We're um, two and a half hours ferry journey off the northwest coast of Scotland, uh, an archipelago of islands consisting of uh, Lewis Harris, Eust and Barra. Um, Eastcall came about as a result of challenges we had with staffing certain subjects four years ago and it's grown from being a very small local solution to staffing problems and to equity of opportunity for pupils across the Western Isles in terms of curricular choice, both academic and vocational, uh, to being now serving pupils right across Scotland, employing staff right across all of Scotland's 32 local authorities. Uh, the COVID crisis has been for us a blessing in disguise because it's moved this agenda forward in ways that we could never have imagined. So even from the likes uh, of uh, the disaster that is COVID, we do, do see some positives emerging. That's a great intro, Angus. So, so the East Scott, obviously, it's got E in front of it. Uh, we're, we're talking not necessarily just a physical building, but a virtual entity as well. Tell us a little bit about how it, how it works. Well, we would not really need to have a physical building. We're probably now amongst the biggest schools in Scotland in terms of the number of pupils that we teach on a weekly basis. Uh, but we have a hub in Stornoway. Uh, there are a small number of us working there, but we have deputies that uh, stretch from Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire, Murray, Shetland, uh, Dumfries and Galloway here itself. So we've got six, um, six deputies located across the northwest of Scotland. We now have an additional crew from Education Scotland, four or five, who work with us on a regular basis, and they're really honorary deputies in the system. Uh, they have to suspend their inspection processes at the moment, but they're doing it in a different way. They're working very, very closely, in fact, to a greater degree than they've ever been before, doing quality assurance, helping out, facilitating the live teaching uh, throughout Scottish schools, both in a teaching capacity and an, an, an advisory capacity with eSchool. So there's a level of collaboration, I believe, going on in Scottish education at the moment that has never happened before. Yet another spin-off of the COVID crisis. Uh, 
So we employ teachers from across the whole of Scotland. Uh, on occasion, we've had teachers delivering lessons from Spain, a whole year of Gaelic, would you believe it, being delivered to schools here in Scotland by a uh, Spain-based teacher. We've had lessons delivered from India, from Portugal, uh, with technology. None of that is a problem. We're currently teaching, I would say, probably between 30 and 40 subjects on a regular basis. And I'll explain a little later on about the, the nature of the teaching. We teach primary um, right through to adult learners as well. We're very demand-led. We try and make sure that the pupils studying with us are treated more like customers than prisoners of a particular system or indeed of the school day. So it's quite flexible. We do a lot of our teaching in the evenings and that seems to appeal to a lot of the senior phase pupils in particular. So that's, that's fantastic, uh, Angus. Talk about calls to Newcastle. I love the fact that you had uh, teaching being done uh, of Gaelic from Portugal. How fantastic is that? So yeah, <laughs> do, you, you kind of set things up there for, for, the, for the next area. But yeah, tell us a little bit about how the teaching works. So if, if I was a pupil in Scotland or indeed an adult learner, how would I access the offering from eSchool? Well, we're part of the e-learning e national offer. And if you think of it like a three-legged stool, maybe it'll help to conceptualize what we're like. ESCOL, which is part of the Northern Alliance, we lead on the live interactive teaching because we firmly believe that the teaching comes first and foremost. And that for many, many, many pupils, other than the, the most motivated who have very pushy parents, the learning will not happen unless you have quality live interactive teaching happening. So we major on the live and the interactive but we work very, very closely with the West Partnership, which is the Greater Glasgow Area and affiliated uh, RICS, Regional Improvement Collaborators, who have been feeding into a, a recorded repository of teaching materials. So our, live, our teachers, they produce 20 minute videos as part of flipped learning. They make them available to their students uh, who look at them in advance and then the teacher I negotiates with pupils what it is they want to learn or they develop the theme of, of that particular lesson. But the videos go into a repository that then can be accessed at any time. Our webinars, and I'll explain the webinars in a minute, uh, there's also materials being recorded there that pupils can view later on should they choose to do so. And then there's a third leg, which is Education Scotland. Uh, they provide the CLPL the professional learning and other materials which are stored in a repository. So as you know, with a three-legged stool, if all three legs aren't robust, it falls over very, very quickly. And we firmly believe that that's the kind of uh, basis on which we have to work. Otherwise, we will not have a real rich e-learning national offer. If you were a pupil in a central belt school and you couldn't access a particular subject in, in your own school, our core provision pre-COVID was based on the fact that we could aggregate pupils from across local schools and authorities. We would put the offer out there and we could aggregate two pupils from here, three from there. It might be a niche subject like Arabic, Mandarin, uh, whatever. We would recruit a teacher if there was demand and make sure that that particular subject was available to pupils as and when they could join in a particular class. 
Uh, schools can register with us. Yeah, we have a request that came in within the last hour or so. There's a, a school that has uh, a desperate need for an English teacher. So we put out the fiery cross across Scotland. Uh, if we haven't got somebody on our supply bank, just like a normal school, we do have a supply bank, but if we didn't have somebody who could teach English, luckily we do in this case, we would be putting a fiery cross out to recruit somebody very, very quickly, turn that person around, train them and get them presenting into that school as quickly as possible. Um, we have provision that started during the lockdown where we were working with the Scottish Languages Centre and KSB and other partner agencies that give a very rich and um, wide varied offer to pupils both primary and secondary across Scotland. Uh, we also used some of our own teachers to make sure that pupils who weren't able to be taught by their own um, teaching staff could access some core support as well. Um, Post lockdown, it's been very much a case of making sure that study support sessions, which schools might not be able to provide because they had to vacate buildings shortly after the school day. We've got, I think, 28 or 29 courses running in the evenings between five o'clock and seven o'clock, uh, five o'clock and eight o'clock at night with teachers from schools, from our own bank, from the likes of uh, Glasgow Caledonian University, using eSchool as a portal to access teaching in these courses and programs. They're mainly National 5 higher and advanced higher, but it's working very well. I think we've got in excess of 7,500 pupils, or course requests from about 4,000 pupils currently being delivered um, on, a, on a weekly basis across Scotland and numbers are holding up very, very well indeed. So that's the, the, the scope of the senior phase in the initial stages of the, the lockdown. We've since developed that to include BGE, secondary and primary offers. And that's very much on an IDL basis, where if you're absent from school and you are on GLOW, which is Scotland's national digital platform, freely available to every school, every pupil in Scotland, paid for by the government, to the tune of 65 million pounds, I think. Uh, you have the insurance of working within the, this government blanket as well. So it's, it's a safe, uh, fully encrypted system available universally. So we thought we'll use what is there and make the most of it. So that means that any pupil who's on GLOW and who might be isolating because of COVID or indeed long-term isolators uh, for other reasons, they can access the timetable provision that we're putting out uh, on a weekly basis. And we've got a very healthy uptake both in primary and secondary for that. We're currently working with another platform called ThingLink to make sure that the younger children are catered for early years so they don't have the additional hassle of going through a platform where they need to parent support or whatever to, to access it. So uh, that means that we're recording both in Gaelic and English content that will go up on thing links to cater for, for the early years as well. So it's very much, as I say, demand driven. Uh, we haven't said no to anything yet. It's been hugely challenging. The E was electronic originally, but I think we could now call it exciting and exhausting in equal measure.
<laughs> I love that. Yes, definitely a repurposing of that E this year. Uh, and I love the way that you were describing there, Angus, not just uh, kind of taking standard lessons online, but completely redeveloping the way that, that you're teaching so that it really suits that, that online me um, methodology, which I think has been a real lesson for a lot of schools during COVID. Um, we're going to fly uh, somewhere slightly sunnier now down to the Channel Islands. Uh, and it's lovely to have you with us, Louise. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what, what it's like kind of living and working in Guernsey just to start us off? Well, um, hello, Ollie and Angus. Uh, Guernsey sounds to be quite different from um, what Angus has, has been describing there. We're a really small island off the coast of France. We're a crown dependency, which means we um, the queen is our, our queen, but we are self-governing and we have our own government. Um, in fact, we have our own currency. Um, we might be, well, known um, as a finance sector, as an offshore finance jurisdiction, but actually that's not the only part of Guernsey that makes Guernsey tick. We have quite a, a successful um, tourism industry, as well as obviously digital and um, construction industries are our, our main industries. So um, you introduced me as the principal of uh, College of Further Education, and, and um, the College of Further Education is the only provider of technical and vocational qualification on the island for a population of about 63,000 and that makes it quite challenging to be able to provide the breadth of curriculum offer for young people and older um, mid-career learners and in fact our, our sort of more mature students shall we say who undertake sort of hobby and interest courses with us so to be able to provide the breadth of curriculum that they want and um, are entitled to set against um, the sort of demand-led aspects of the curriculum in response to local industry and what's sustainable with a very small population. So we are a general um, technical and vocational college and we've got all sorts of curriculum that you would you would see in, in any town in, in England, really, everything from hairdressing, beauty therapy, catering, mechanical engineering, etc, etc, and the list goes on. And we also have apprenticeship provision, uh, full-time provision, part-time provision, some higher education provision, um, and also all those leisure courses. I think we're constantly um, caught between being able to provide the breadth of curriculum um, that students want and need against um, the size of the cohorts that we might have in any particular group um, and making that viable. One of the most interesting areas that we have is we have got some outlying islands. Um, Alderney uh, is part of the Bailiwick of Guernsey and it has a population of just under 2,000 people. We have students coming to us from Alderney. In fact, um, once you're 16 in Alderney, you, you have to move off the island if you want to carry on in education and come to Guernsey, either to the College of Further Education or to um, the sixth form, which is attached to one of our high schools to do A-level qualifications. Um, and in fact, if you're an apprentice as well in Alderney, you might have to travel to us one day a week, which has its challenges, of course, because if the weather's bad and the plane's not landing, then those students either get stranded in Guernsey or they can't get here in, in the first place. And that's one of the challenges that uh, we have working and living in an, in an island situation. 
I have to say there are some real advantages and for us um, this year particularly COVID has has been one of the advantages of living here because at the moment we're COVID free virtually we've got very small cases and we were able to open up the island um, in June July virtually back to normal I hesitate when I say that because I always feel so guilty for people that are listening that perhaps are not like that but um, in Guernsey we have a very controlled um, situation if you come into the island you have to isolate for two weeks no matter where you've been from um, and as a result of that we we the population is locked in but we are free to um, go about our normal lives um, and we have been really since June so for us um, as an education provider that's been fantastic because it's meant we could have all the end of term activities last year we had a student celebration we've had graduation ceremonies we've had student um, parties going on um, and all the sort of learning that we um, I know colleagues working in England haven't been able to do some of the practical stuff for example we've been able to carry on um, because we're such a small population and, and that whole um, thing about controlling the population in the way that it's been controlled has been really, really positive for us. What a great introduction, Louise. Thank you. I remember you've got your own currency because when I came to visit you, I think I got back to the airport to fly back to England and realised that <laughs> I had a whole load of Guernsey money that I wouldn't be able to use when I got back. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, I also remember meeting, uh, uh, I think it was in the plumbing area when you were taking me around, a young man who was from Alderney and, as you say, kind of flies over. So I think if there are any parents listening who's you know, whose children complain about the commute to school or college. Yes. And that's a great one to kind of a great <laughs> example to share with them. Uh, you know, they, that, that young man literally was getting on a flight once a week to yeah. come and do his, yeah, his training that's with you guys. Right. And, and it's a really small plane as well. It's sort of almost like you're sitting in front of each other on the plane. It's very small. And if it's windy, um, it, it is quite a... <laughs> A bit of a bumpy oh, ride. An interesting journey, <laughs> shall we say. And, and you use some um, kind of virtual classroom techniques as well for, uh, yeah. for the students here on Outlying Islands. Tell us a bit about, about that. Aspect. Yeah, so we're a, we're a Google Apps for Education college. We've been using that for about three or four years now. And we find that it's so simple and it works. Um, it works for us. Uh, so every single class, it doesn't matter whether you're in your 50s taking a course with us or whether you're, you're 15 taking a course with us, we'll have a Google Classroom where we, we load all the uh, work and our staff are really used to using Google as, a, as a, a tool for teaching and learning. And of course, with Google, you've got Google Meets, which so in terms of virtual teaching that Angus was talking about, you know, we, when we were locked down, we were able to do that really successfully and then record it so that any student that wasn't able to access it could go back and, and, and have a look at that learning. Um, and, and it seems to work for us. And I think one of the reasons it, it works for us is that the whole of the education system in Guernsey, so all of the schools from primary onwards are using Google Apps. So as students progress through their education on the island, they're really, really familiar with that that technology um, and really comfortable with what it looks like and, and how it's presented. That's fantastic. So yeah, I love that point about kind of the, the basically kind of blended learning, which I think is where we're all going to have to go after this year. But um, yes. it sounds like because of your geography, you you almost had a bit of a head start on that anyway, because yeah. you've had to use that for 
for a few years um, yeah. you mentioned apprenticeships as an offer <laughs> and uh, and obviously that must be both kind of an exciting thing but also a challenge in terms of matching young people's kind of exciting yeah. areas with a, a slightly restricted labour market compared to the mainland so yeah. tell us a bit about your apprenticeship provision. So the apprenticeship scheme is a really traditional apprenticeship scheme that we have um, we've we've spent a few years revising it actually because we um, up until quite recently we were restricted to only have um, construction and hairdressing and hospitality apprentices so we've reviewed it and in response to local industry being able to open out and expand the apprenticeship scheme with a whole new set of governance arrangements which is really exciting so um, Angus talked about demand-led we are also that's very very important in a small community to be able to respond swiftly and quickly to local industry uh, and local employers so we've got a really vibrant and growing apprenticeship scheme and actually if you think about being able to sustain vocational and technical education in a really small community, actually apprenticeships seem to be the most logical way of going because that partnership between the local employer, the education provider and, and the student apprentice works really well because we are such a close knit community. So we've been doing a lot of work developing curriculum with our local employers. Um, and when I say that, I'm not saying, oh, well, they've looked at a specification and then gone, yeah, that's a okay what we're actually doing is co-constructing the curriculum together where they're identifying that they need these elements and these learning outcomes in there for their apprenticeships and their members of staff and we're able to either create curriculum where there isn't um, that or or use qualification frameworks that we can adjust because of meeting local needs and that's been really really successful um, and certainly the buy-in from local employers is is really positive to be able to have something that's created specifically for the island context and their industry really important we um the apprenticeships as it stands the framework within which we operate means that um if somebody wanted to do an apprenticeship they'd have to attain a job first they don't apply or, or are placed through the college and, and and that's why i say it's a very traditional apprenticeship um it's employer-led apprenticeship which makes us quite different from colleagues who might be listening in in england that's brilliant, Louise. Thank you. Um, amazing that you're able to kind of offer that bespoke service. I suppose that's kind of uh, where everyone would, every employer would probably like that. Yeah, but obviously yeah. your context uh, means that you almost have to do that because you're working one-on-one, -on -one, placing that or working with that student um, and, and the business. Yeah. Now, just to kind of zoom out and kind of taking into account kind of both of your models, I think one of the kind of really strong themes that's come out there is around kind of online learning. Obviously, that's your day, day job, Angus. And obviously, Louise, you've been doing that for, for, year, for many years to, to kind of bring in those students from the outlying islands but Angus your your work must have been a godsend to the Scottish government when they realized that schools had to go online and, and it must have been a bit of a roller coaster for you as well a bit like Louise's small plane bouncing away from Alderney to Guernsey uh, what's this year been like because you kind of ended up in the spotlight a bit yes we have and it, it can be quite an uncomfortable place to be but it can also be an incredibly exciting uh, opportunity to grasp and that's what we've done by working very closely in partnership again and uh, I hasten to add we would not have been able to do this without the help of uh, Education Scotland, without the help of the other RICs, like, such as the West Partnership and many others who have been, been chipping in. Uh, 
we're a relatively small organization, but through collaboration, we've managed to overcome a lot of the systemic impediments that we had to uh, rolling out this kind of learning previously. For instance, the use of, of GLOW, you know, a single platform for national delivery. There, there was a lot of uh, pushback against that over many, many years. This has given it significant impetus and allowed pupils from all of Scotland's 32 local authorities to participate in, in national offers. There are other impediments like DPIA for 32 different local authorities, uh, PVGs that you have to have again and again and again if you're going to teach across authorities. All of these things uh, still have to be tackled, but we're getting there and we've made significant progress. Um, very exciting things like harmonization of timetables across not just individual schools, but authorities. We've got a, a project at the moment going on across several local authorities in the north of Scotland and interest from the south as well about harmonizing a couple of columns. Um, we, we had an account there of how foundation, how apprenticeships work in Guernsey. We've majoring on parity of esteem for the vocational with the academic. So foundation apprenticeships are featuring very, very strongly in our provision. We're looking, uh, we already ha had prior to COVID, quite a number of them, I think six or seven running here in the Western Isles, but we're collaborating with the likes of Aberdeenshire, Dumfries and Galloway to try and make sure that collectively we're able to give a much wider range of packages in foundation apprenticeships, in business, food and drink, healthcare, childcare, IT software, Gaelic, creative digital media, right across Scotland and aggregate pupils so that these cohorts become viable and uh, th that in itself has been uh, hugely beneficial working in that way. Uh, so the other thing we've just launched it today is uh, the formal partnership agreement where we have about 30 different organizations feeding through the eSchool portal as it were to provide electives, um, one-off maybe experiences where people other than teachers feed in to the overall curriculum experience of pupils on a timetable basis. Uh, we've set out a menu of, of I, think it's, I think it's actually 28 partners, but uh, schools can book sessions. There might be one-offs, there might be four weeks, there might be six weeks, and they're specifically linked to DYW, developing the young workforce. Uh, they can be booked in advance. And I've seen quite a number of bookings coming in since the offer went live this morning from schools across Scotland. So we're, we're very heartened by the level of goodwill towards schools and learners out there from many organisations such as Skills Development Scotland, Young Scott, STEM providers, so on and so forth. Again, Keep Scotland Beautiful, uh, Scottish Language Centre, all of these organisations are very, very keen to help and enrich what we're able to do in schools. I think fundamental to all of this is how we plan the school day and the lessons. If we're doing things for people who are currently not in school during the, the COVID crisis, we can't replicate a seven period day. It's, it's just not feasible. So what we've done is we've blocked the learning into three 90 minute periods. Uh, per day. Slightly later start, which a lot of the kids are, are very happy about, starting at, at <laughs> half past nine. So they have three 90-minute blocks and 
they can get their subject-specific input in the senior phase as from, from January. Currently, we're doing the BGE offer on the same basis. They, they can attend these. They will get a, a good experience because most of the lessons are planned in the same way where they have teacher-led learning for the first 10, 15 minutes. They're then given an activity. Now that activity, if you're in primary, BGEs, early secondary, might involve going out to your garden to look for worms. It might involve some kind of activity, getting away from the screen because sitting, reading documents in a passive way or just listening to somebody talking at you through a screen is not learning. There has to be proper teaching before the learning happens. So that's where uh, we're very, very keen that there's activity built into each and every learning session so that there is a teacher-led learning, there is an activity, there is a catch-up, a brief catch-up, almost like a surgery in the middle of the 90-minute period, a second activity, and then a plenary mm -hmm. that checks up on the learning. So th that model seems to be working well, and the feedback that we're getting from pupils, parents, and indeed the teachers who are involved in delivery is, is very, very positive. So uh, we've learned an awful lot. We would never, ever claim that we have the silver bullet, all the answers. We're always looking to beg, borrow, steal anybody else's ideas. But we're <laughs> equally will, willing to share anything that we've learned in the process. And I, you know, I would reiterate the fact that we have much to learn yet. But it's made a lot of the staff become lifelong learners themselves. A lot of these teachers, many of the ones that we employ, we employ on flexible contracts. They only want to work maybe five, six hours, 10 hours a day, uh, 10 hours a week, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, slip there. So maybe they, they only want to work part-time. Part They're some of the most experienced, uh, some of the best teachers in Scotland, but they would not necessarily be working in a normal classroom environment. Now they might be getting on towards the end of their, their careers. They might be carers. We have quite a number of people who are carers who have to be shielded during this COVID crisis. That's the untapped reserve, previously untapped reserve that we've been able to galvanize and employ and deploy across Scotland mm -hmm. to meet the needs and give greater personalization and choice to the curriculum. Yeah, that's great, Angus. And j just for um, listeners who... Uh, might not be familiar with them. The foundation apprenticeships are a model that we have been encouraging others to take up. We think they're a great uh, innovation in Scotland. So they're the same size as an A-level or a Scottish higher, um, but they uh, allow access to university or uh, time off the start of your full, full modern apprenticeship. So um, we think they're a great, a great innovation. And thanks for that, um, Angus. So I guess just to kind of draw together some points around the kind of the online messages for, for people, I think both of you have said, you know, use simple, consistent tools. There are lots of choices out there, but just go with one and stick with it. And everyone knows uh, it's the same for, for every course, every lesson. Um, I love what you were saying there about Angus, about kind of uh, like, just like we've learned in the workplace, working on Zooms, you know, um, keep it short, keep it snappy, maybe kind of smaller chunks than before. Um, changing the pedagogy as well. So making sure that it's not just recording uh, a lesson and sticking it on YouTube. Uh, you know, we can, we can all watch YouTube videos, but this is different. This is about having a different form of pedagogy for online. Um, and then coming back to what you were saying, Louise, kind of combining real life and online. So it's not just one or the other. Yeah. 
I think one of the things that, because we have been able to open up, um, we, we surveyed students when they came back into college um, quite quickly to ask about their experience. And because we didn't know whether we were gonna have to go back in or, or, or come back out, we wanted to make sure that they had the right kit and so on and so forth. And, and what we've realized is online learning is is really good and rich and can be really powerful but particularly in technical and vocational education the sort of the place of the teacher in that and I guess this goes back to what you were just saying there you know we it's not about recorded stuff the place of the teacher and that interaction with the teacher is absolutely critical for for learning um, and, and that's something that our students told us was, you know, when they came back in, they really missed that interaction with a with a real person face to face. Although, of course, in the online learning that we could do where we where we were streaming sort of lectures and so on, you get that interaction. And Angus, you've just described that um, really beautifully how how that works um, across Scotland. Um, but I think we can't replace the teacher that. For, for me, that's the biggest learning out of the COVID crisis when you read everything about what's going on in education, that the role of the teacher is really critical and we can't just rely on Professor Google or Professor YouTube. <laughs> I love it, Louise. That's really important and clearly something you're passionate about. Um, just to finish off, Louise, I wanted to just ask you a bit. So obviously, COVID is changing the labour market uh, irretrievably in different areas. Yeah. You were talking a bit about Guernsey Industries, obviously, uh, tourism in particular must have been hit, yes. hit hard this year. So just thinking about kind of preparing your students for for the labour market, uh, but particularly this changing labour market, what, what, what's kind of happening there for you? Yeah, and, and that's really interesting. And I think um, one of the things that about Guernsey, well, the Channel Islands, is that we, we historically have had really high employment. Um, and that has meant that students have been able to relatively easily get into work. However, what's happened now as a result of the crisis, of course, um, like everywhere, we, we've got some companies that have sadly had to close or readjust. And it hasn't been so easy for um, our, our leavers last summer to attain work. So things that we're looking at is obviously apprenticeship. Um, you know, apprenticeship is there, but also we're looking at supporting students in the perhaps a more, um, what shall I say, um, consistent and a sort of a stepped up way of looking at all of those developing all of those transferable skills that they might need for employment. We've also started working um, quite intensively with the local hospitality sector who historically have had a, a transient workforce and they're really interested in working with us and young people to try and re-engage the local workforce into what is a, a really exciting and vibrant industry um, and I think there's a lot more opportunities that are there than than our um, local population have haven't have actually seen um, as potentials for careers so um, doing you know re-looking at our local industries looking at the demand and reshaping the curriculum and the job roles um, working with industry to sort of look at what's possible um, but it I mean it's all 
up for grabs, isn't it? We, you know, we don't know how the next six months and the next year is going to take us. So we're very fortunate in Guernsey. Um, we're, we're sort of open for business, except of course we can't go anywhere. Nobody can come here, but um, the virtual world allows us to be open for business. Yes, our tourism industry has been hit hard, but because the local population haven't been able to go anywhere, there's been, you know, you know, local people supporting the hospitality industry. But we don't know what's going to happen in six months or, or, or nine months. Um, and I think it's up to education providers just to be ready to respond and to flex and um, listen to our local employers so that we can we can do what they need, really. That's a great place to finish, Louise. So the, the kind of challenges, but also the opportunities of COVID, definitely a strong theme here. So if you are interested in this kind of theme of island education, uh, we'll be publishing articles all through the first half of 2021, sharing some stories from different islands about how they coped, how they managed uh, education uh, during COVID, uh, including one from Louise's colleague at Guernsey. So watch out yeah. for that. Um, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you and hearing you on another episode soon. Uh, Louise, Angus, thank you so much for your time and I'll talk to you very soon.